Welcome everyone to Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss, your host. I believe everyone has a story, just like our fingerprints that put us on the path of our journey. Some find purpose. Every story can help, heal, inspire, educate. And my one word is to give hope. Today, my guest talks about how she found the new her 31 years ago in an accident that uh, turned out to be a new path in her life. Please help me welcome Jetty Sue. Hello, Jetty Sue. Hi, and just uh, one correction on the math. I was age 31 <gasps> and it was 49 years ago. It's 49 years ago. Oh my gosh, so you're a young 80 years old. I certainly hope so. <laughs> well, from what I've learned of you, you're very active. So um, what happened at the age of 31 that you found the new you? I had an accident. We were out in the desert and I was on a friend's motorbike by myself and hit a washout in the road and went head over heels. And the impact shattered the bone right under my right knee. And consequently, several weeks later, because there was no circulation, uh, they amputated. And um, it was, of course, very, very difficult to deal with. And it changes your image of yourself, how you look, you suddenly, I suddenly became different. And I think that was the harder thing more than uh, what I could and couldn't do. I didn't think about that as much. Uh, I guess it was, you know, that image consciousness. Mm -hmm. It it took some years for me to reconcile all of it. But what I found is that if you enhance everything around it, then you can deal with disability and uh, so I didn't let it stop me from doing anything including going back to school to get my master's uh, going into a counseling practice uh, retiring early to take care of a grandbaby and eventually two and uh, my life has been great you know 49 years ago there has been a lot of um, medical discoveries and ways of dealing with situations such as yours becoming an amputee um and at 31 that's a that's a young age to well children were two and a half and five so you can imagine you know what went on in the household trying to keep up yeah and you said the word different you know um I don't like to use the word norm because that's really not one that is a one-size-fits-all kind of name uh, word um, because every situation is a different norm. And you just said, again, the word different, um, whether it's someone who's lo- lost a loved one or for you, you lost uh, a limb of your body that how we look at people, we figure they're all going to have two eyes, you know, 10 fingers, 10 toes and arms and legs. And um it's not necessarily the case. There are people that actually are born without these parts of our bodies. So that's why I don't say the norm is a norm that one size fits all. You talk about different. You just shared also you had small children at home who needed you. And you had just come through. You had to accept something that was different than your, your routine of things. How- well, I don't know if you're ever prepared for loss. But sometimes, and you know this, they are unimaginable. I think the losses that most people I've heard, and I'm not going to say this is to be correct, um, losses figure someone's losing a loved one 
or an animal because not everyone has you know, family, but loss is anything that you used to having had and no longer have is really what it is. Mm-hmm. And for you, it was a change in your life having lost your leg. And that was a huge adjustment. It sounds as though, and then two small children that were moms, we all know, run around after our kids. Well, I had a resolution not to let it change my life any more than it had to. And this is a sad fact that over the years, there have been more amputees and therefore more. More, more adjustments that they're going through versus um, having to say this is all that there is options, right? Back uh, on you. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Oh, I wanted to know if I was back on. I got interrupted by a phone call coming in. That's okay. We can edit that out. Um, you talked about uh, the change of how there are more individuals that uh, nowadays you're hearing of having um, being amputees. Yes, and there's a national organization now. Um, at the time that I went through it, it was just a small network of people getting in touch with each other through their doctors, <clears throat> excuse me, or through their um, prosthetic limb shop. And, uh, you know, trying to sh- show each other that life goes on. Now, 49, and, then, you know, what it does, life does go on. And at the moment that we're going through whatever the changes are, the differences that we're going through, we don't feel that that we are. And we probably feel like we're the only ones. You just mentioned how it's more common for people, or maybe we just see it more, that are amputees for whatever reasons versus um, back when you, 49 years ago. Um, it seemed as though it would have been something like maybe a car accident you would have seen or, or, or maybe someone well, that cancer, was... Cancer is a, a common cause. Um, I shouldn't say common, but is one of the causes. I've known several women where that was the case for them. It was bone cancer. I just think there have been medical advancements that have allowed people to survive and thrive. Agreed. And so my other question now, too, is 49 years ago, did you have a prosthetic? Uh, yes, but they were vastly different than now. Heavier, um, not as easy to maneuver, uh, not quite as safe. Yeah. So over the years, they've just made so many improvements that I just feel fortunate that I've benefited from that. When you say safe, what do you mean by that? Because that kind of threw me off. Well, typically, amputees are prone to falls. Uh-huh. Uh, something as simple. Uh, back then as carrying a load of laundry and dropping a washcloth and tripping on it because when the prosthetic foot would hit the washcloth, then it doesn't hit the floor and you go down on your knees. So I became very adept at falling safely. Oh my goodness. Good thing for changes in medicine and discoveries, huh? I was thinking also, Christine, this thing about uh, when the thing you fear happens. When I was going back to school, they had an introductory uh, group for those of us who were admitted to the master's program. And my fear was that I would fall in front of people. And I did. Um, At that time, even a a 
bit of water on the floor would cause I could skid. And I survived that. So I thought, okay, well, got through that. All right. Is that the state? Is that the, where that phrase comes in? Where if um, if you're not laughing at me, or if, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you, or I laugh at myself. Yes, and people that are very close to me can make jokes. I don't welcome that from people I don't know well. Of course. And also, I don't know about you, but I've run into people who are just curious. They really are not empathetic. So when they ask about it, it's just to satisfy their curiosity. And I found myself resentful of that. I think as human beings, we are curious. And I think that's why the news exists, because people are... Uh, negative or positive, however you want to look at it, we're, we're curious about what's going on. We, some could call it nosy. Um, some, like you said, they're just curious, not for an, an, what do you call it, an ill thought or a reason. Um, I've, I've always been told by my aunt when I was younger, she said, nothing has changed about me as far as my, in, my interest in asking questions of people. And I don't do it to say, I want to use it against you. Mine's just like, how did that happen? So that I'm more educated. And then when I found that this was actually helping other, not just helping me, I'm thinking there are other people asking questions too, but they're either afraid to, or don't know what to say. Um, like you said, for fear of uh, embarrassment or rejection as to what well, they really are curious. They want to know what happened because not so everything we see is what we think it is. I think their response to my sharing is what has made a difference. The kindest are the children. And parents are embarrassed when the children will ask. But I tell them, you can ask me anything you want. And one of the cutest responses I had was from a little boy who was about five and wanted to know what happened. And then he asked if I was in the Army. Because that's what he had. I find it with. And he's a little boy to think that, um, and the, you know, the innocence of a child is always, um, it, as adults, we, we are corrupted with the things that happen in our life or changed. Kids see things just the way they see them and to ask questions, it's not something for them to even think that it's rude. And my experience is they're always very soft hearted and sympathetic. They're quite sweet about it. The innocence of a child, most definitely. Mm -hmm. um, now, it has been told to me that you're um, you're active as well. So you got your master's, but you're also physically active, even though you have a prosthetic. Is that right? Yeah. Didn't do any kind of exercising or whatever until my uh, son and daughter-in-law were taking yoga classes. And my son, uh, I would see him practice. And I said, I wonder if I can do that. Mm -hmm. So he connected uh, his instructor and she told me years later, she said, I wasn't sure what to do with you, but um, I found that I absolutely loved yoga and I adapted to my version of a lot of the poses. And I was 59 when I started taking yoga and I'm still doing yoga. Wow. I, I've tried to do it. I know another gal that um, she's uh, 75, I believe, and she does yoga. And, mm -hmm. I, and I know it's good for the body and the muscles and for the mind. For some reason, I can't seem to shut my mind off to sit long enough to do, <laughs> to do yoga. That's the challenge for <laughs> those of us who are, are, you know, constantly thinking. The challenge is to quiet the mind. 
And I have gotten so, and it took me a long time that I can just be immersed in it and just dealing with how the body feels. But it's, it's a chore to get over that, but it's well worth it. Would you say this experience that you went through, um, you know, you were young at 31, mom with two small ones, and then to watch um, the years go by where technology has changed. Would you say that um, what happened to you allowed you to see and experience life in a different way? Well, I think that in trying to make the rest of my life better, when I felt that my body wasn't all it had been, uh, I just was very eager for personal growth. And that's how I got into the counseling program, because of how much it had helped me. And I wanted to help others. And I, I would say that it's up to the individual to decide how you will live. And I just wanted to live more fully. In fact, I have this... A little saying that I wanted to live higher, wider, and deeper. Mm. And I think I've achieved that. Wow. That was pretty deep, to say the least. Because we are, as human beings, we are selfish. And one of the things that we are vain also about is our appearance. Oh, yes. You know, there's there are individuals who are battling cancer, going through chemo, that lose their hair. And that's yes. an identity or, or a woman who's gone through, you know, breast cancer and no longer has her breast. That was for her an identity of her, her, however she looked at it, whether it was her feeling as a woman or looking like a woman. Or, and I can't, I can't say why without saying it incorrectly because I have not been there. I, I know women who have survived, uh, they're cancer free or have survived through those situations and it does change them as well. Well, I went through uh, losing my hair um, at a later time. In 1998, I was diagnosed with hepatitis C, which had resulted from blood transfusions all those many years ago when they didn't know to screen for the hepatitis. Eventually, that progressed to the point where the doctor suggested I undergo the treatment. And during that time, your skin gets extremely sensitive. And so you cannot... Uh, use a hair dryer, a curling iron, hair dye, and I lost about half my hair. So I had a wig for quite a while, but it all, you know, came back all right. Hepatitis C from a blood mm-hmm. transfusion. Yeah, it's a virus that they didn't know to change or, or to test for. It had not been discovered and until that- about that time. And then they found that there are a number of people in the population that have it and don't know it. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't show up for a long time for most of us. Interesting. Well, and I'm a, and you already said this was a while back, and then they've you know started testing for it, so that that's not. Yeah. I don't want our listeners to think that oh my gosh, if I get a blood transfusion, I'm going to get hepatitis C. That's not the case. They well, no, the, the blood is screened, and so there, it's not going to happen. And I do um, actually. I'm due to go donate blood. I do it on a regular basis because if I can save mm-hmm. my life, whoever it is, I don't know who it is, that makes a difference and that's all that matters. So that's good to know. I mean, I always wondered why they had all these questions about if you'd gone out of the country, if you had um, been in contact with certain people, if you had gotten a tattoo, mm-hmm. the list is very, uh, the questions are very extensive. And so now I see. Yeah. So thank you for giving that information. I would have never known that. In your, uh, in your journey of, um, 
having a prosthetic, would you say there's any limitations? I mean, you did mention how you wanted to be living bigger, better, and deeper. Did you find yeah. any, any uh, limitations that you couldn't? Well, for everybody, there are things you can't do. Okay. You may not be tall enough or strong enough or young enough or able-bodied enough or whatever. And once you've accepted that, there's a lot that you can do. You can really enhance your life. And you, I just don't ever dwell on what I can't do. It's just not in my nature to do that. No, because no. Because I, I, I can't do stairs without a railing. Uh, I drive with my left foot. Interesting. So you don't have hand controls. You actually use. So I'm going to assume then your vehicle has had to be altered for that too. No. No, the doctors who did the amputation told me, um, just use your left foot to drive because we weren't using stick shifts. I had an automatic and it's not a problem. I just taught myself. I love that you said that if you're willing to do it, at least try. You'll find out whether you can or cannot do it. So the limitations are basically going to be set on your own mind. Well, and I think you have to be realistic. This is not a test. This is, you know, just a journey. And so I'm not having to pass a test in any way ever. You know, some of you get caught up in getting so much done in a day and forget living life. And that's why I try to put a balance. And I think I do very well mm -hmm. having a balance because it is not a race and it's not a test. And so thank you for reminding me. And mm -hmm. Perhaps that, that statement in itself will allow a listener or whoever hears this that says, you know what, you're right. I don't have to be doing all of this and I don't yeah. have to go so fast. <laughs> yeah, giving yourself more permission is very helpful. I have had uh, both, you know, the classes in the counseling program, but also therapy, both individual and group. And every penny and every minute that I spend on it has given dividends beyond imagination. I love what you just said. It totally just resonated with me, totally resonated mm -hmm. with me, especially with what I have gone through with loss. And then meeting people such as yourself puts a different perspective on life. And that's why I'm so blessed to be able to talk to individuals such as yourself and organizations that are doing so much for our communities because there are so many needs. And we also, as I've always said, we can all teach each other something to help us get through this, this journey of life. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I have one question I love to ask everyone, and that is, what message would you like to leave our listeners based on either your journey or about life in general? I think realizing that there is no limit on your will. There's no limit on your determination, and there's no limit to how much you can grow mentally spiritually, emotionally. And with that idea, I mean, life is just an open book. And at 80, I'm really happy, looking forward to the future. My health is good. That is wonderful. It, go ahead. Now that you, when you identified yourself at the age of 80, mm -hmm. There are some individuals, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, there are some individuals who fear, I'm going to be 51, and someone's like, oh, mm -hmm. 
what's wrong with that? I'm like, well, I just never as a kid thought I was going to be to 50. Now I'm coming to 51. <laughs> and it's just really, like you just said, it's a perspective. Yes. Your own perspective on not the years, but what you have in those years. I was thinking of a, a friend whose mother is my age who gave up a long time ago and uh, really has not had new experiences, has not changed a bit, is not curious about life and events and experiences. I think it, your, your mind is in, in charge. And that is where you're going to get steered one way or the other by how you think about things. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. Thank you for that message. Um, definitely being in, embedded in my brain. Um, you know, I always try to be a better person than I was the day before. Uh -huh. And I always think I'm pretty fabulous because I was fabulous the day before, but now I'm even more fabulous because now you've given even more reasons as to why I always want to be a better person yeah. every day that I'm given. Thank you. Thank you for the message and thank you for your time and sharing um, the journey of not looking at a disability, but how you embraced the new you after uh -huh. something different happened. Thank you. Uh -huh. Okay. Did you want to add anything else before we before we end? I think just one thing that after I retired as a therapist, my desire is to share whatever I have with anyone. And so I always welcome people asking me questions about how I got through things or telling me how what they're dealing with. And then I have ideas about things they might think about or do. And I think counseling is personal education. And it's geared towards the individual or the couple or the family. Mm -hmm. I think counseling has gotten a bad stigma where people think, oh, I'm broken. Someone needs to know my business and probably fix me. And I don't want that. So well, instead I think of how you put it. About, it's about what you don't know yet. That's all. I love that. I love that because again, counseling is educating it's educating like you said what we don't know and how can we make it better yes if you're willing to invest in it that's the point that's part of it sure. too wonderful thank you again for being my guest jetty sue you're most welcome and i'm very happy to have met you likewise likewise to my listeners, I thank you for listening to today's story about what it's like to find the new me when something different has happened to you and not necessarily being an amputee. Maybe you've lost a loved one and you haven't figured out how to grasp that void or, or accept the void and find some purpose in the journey or the blessings you had of the loved one. Or, or if something has happened to you that... You haven't quite figured out why me. Well, I've heard it before. Why not you? There's a purpose in our journeys of our lives. Just like I mentioned, our fingerprints are too. If you have a story that you feel needs to be heard to help heal, educate, inspire, and give hope, or an organization in your community that needs to be known about because these resources are much needed through our organizations, nonprofits, and 501c3s, please email me to the address of Christine with a CH at storiesofhope.com. And that is stories with a Y. And I 
as always, wish you well. You take care.